not like what I'm experiencing in my spin class uh, in the early morning. What's happening, and it happens every year, is that people will try to make two huge changes. And, 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 and I can tell, you know, it's a struggle for, for everybody to be in a routine, right? And to develop a new routine to both get up early in the morning, like 4.30, in order to get to a 5.30 spin class. Eee, that's what's happening. And that'll happen for about six weeks, and then uh, things will go back to normal, right? Because people are trying to both develop the ability to get up that early and to enter into an exercise routine. I don't have any trouble getting up early in the morning, so I might as well exercise, right? But there are people that I can see that are, are trying to do both those things, and it really compounds. We're not talking about that. We're talking about one small change that can make a huge difference. One small change. And so the first week we talked about uh, just getting rest. And, and then we talked about desires, how, how desires changing. How do they change? And we talked about, last week, talked about motivation. Today we're going to look at what small change you can make to connect better with the people around you. Connecting. The longest study, the longest research project in America has been going for 75 years. It's the same study that's been going on for 75 years. It's had several different uh, leaders of it. It's, it's being conducted by Harvard University. And it, it began with 724 men being asked about what makes them happy. And so they've been studying what makes people happy for 75 years. It started with 724 men. Now those men are in their 90s. Uh, there are 60 of them still living, and their children and their grandchildren are now a part of that study. Their spouses are part of that study. And what they're finding reinforced over and over and over again is that isolation and loneliness is toxic. And that we are made, we're built to connect. And that people who are the happiest are the people who have the healthiest relationships. There are all kinds of things that compete for healthy relationships. Mainly, we compete with ourselves. There are all kinds of things we can put in the place of or put in priority to healthy relationships. And you can build your own list, and I'm sure you are right now. But the fact of the matter remains, we are wired to connect. And learning how to connect well, learning what makes relationships healthy is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've noticed that that's what we're going through this month is, is the Sermon on the Mount. And so today, let's take a look at where the gold is in the golden rule. From the Word of God, Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, think about it, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. 
For this is the law and the prophets. Now that's a mouthful. In other words, he's saying this summarizes the whole kit and caboodle, whatever that means. (laughs) Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Why are those things paired together? We're going to talk about that. Let's pray. God, bless this word, not only to our minds that we may understand it, but to our hearts that we may believe it. That in turn, through our hands and feet, we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. I've said before, and I'll say it again, a circle is easy until you try to draw one. That's the Christian life. Golden rule is easy. It's simple, right? We teach it to our children, and we think it's just for them. It's just simple, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Simple little thing. A circle is simple until you try to draw it. Try to draw one. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. This simple principle of the golden rule is key to helping us connect, key to healthy relationships. It's not just for Sunday school. It's not just for uh, young children to be taught good morals or a, or a simple, well-meaning principle. When we try to apply it, we become different. It's something small that can make a big difference. When you and I try to practice the golden rule, we grow. We grow. So let's take a look at the gold and the golden rule. How does the golden rule foster, cultivate, enable healthy relationships? We're going to look at the goal of the golden rule. Here's the gold in it. There's a goal to the golden rule. There's a direction to the golden rule. And there's a first step to the golden rule. So let's take a look. First, the goal of the golden rule. See, for each of these, these, these nuggets that I'm talking about, let me mix my metaphors here. What the golden rule is doing, it enables us to build a bridge. The golden rule is like a bridge. And so the goal, the goal of the golden rule is, is to, to bridge the gap, Right? It's, it's to mind the gap. It's to, as the Brits say, mind the gap, right? It's to, uh, it's to respect that there are differences and yet to connect. That even as we connect, see, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you, okay? So you got to get this part, right? There's a gap. There are differences between you and me. There are differences between everybody. And a lot of times... Uh, like you think of like newlyweds, they're very threatened by this. You know that? You ever notice that? It's like, they're like, no, there's no, there's no space between us, right? Don't even suggest that there's any space between us. 
We're not different. We're, we're, exact, we're soulmates, right? We're exactly the same. Those people are in for a rude awakening. Oh, I can always see it when I'm doing premarital counseling and I start to suggest that their differences, it's like you know, they, they start to you know, get, they gloss over. They're not even listening to me anymore. It's like, come on, y'all. Got to deal with this because it's coming. But to respect the difference and yet to connect, that's what the golden rule enables us to do. You know, let me explain this a little bit further. There's, there's this principle of um, uh, Piaget, who studied uh, human development, when, when children are young, they don't understand that there are differences. And so if mom is crying, the, 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 you know, at a certain age, a child will take the teddy bear and say, well, this is what comforts me, so I'm going to give it to mom, right? And we, we appreciate the sentiment out of a young child, but do we appreciate it out of an, a, a, a peer, out of an adult? So, for example, Emerson Egricks, who wrote the book uh, uh, Love and Respect, talks about differences between men and women. And uh, one of the funny things that they tell at their conferences is that, that when, when Emerson's wife cooks eggs, she can't not put pepper on the eggs. And he is allergic to pepper, all right? He hates pepper and he's allergic to it, and, and yet she just can't conceive that anybody would want eggs without pepper, Right? And so to this day, she has to make herself not pepper the eggs. See, there are differences, and yet we think, we often think, that the golden rule is about doing unto others as exactly as I would have them do unto me. You know, what you want is for somebody to be in, in your moment, to understand your moment, and to, 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 to bridge the gap, but to respect the gap. It's, it's a little like this story of this, uh, this graduate student that I read about who uh, was studying the Navajo people or the, the, the Diné people. It's a broader group. They speak, they speak the language the Diné, and, and so the, the, the Navajo nation speaks Diné. And so, so this, uh, this graduate student was going to embed himself within the, that area the, in, on that reservation and, and study these people. But he didn't do any language training and didn't realize that they did not speak English. And so he struggled. And they struggled to accept him until he began to learn their language. And he began to see that, that when he began to speak in Diné, their faces would begin to light up that his attempts, even feeble attempts, to recognize and respect the difference, to respect the gap, and yet to try to build that bridge to speak in their heart language meant everything. So there's somebody in your life, one person, pick them. There's somebody, you work with them, you live with them. Maybe it's in your extended family. Maybe it's your mother-in-law or sister-in-law that drives you crazy or whatever. Is there something about them that's different that maybe you need to think about and study? One person. You think of the love languages. You know, there's, 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 there's physical touch. There's quality time. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's gifts. There are acts of service. 
They're words of encouragement. Those are the five love languages that Gary Chapman talks about. That, that's one simple way of thinking about this category, but there, there are thousands of ways of minding the gap, of respecting the gap, and yet building the bridge to get in their moment. Picture that graduate student learning that language, speaking in that language. He's in their moment. He's not expecting them to speak English anymore. He's making an effort, and the effort gets noticed. That's what the golden rule is about. It's about beginning to to become the kind of person who knows what it looks like and feels like the kind of effort it takes to get in someone else's moment. That's being in their moment. That's the gold. It builds a bridge. Now, second is this. It's to become a bridge builder. The golden, the golden rule is, is to become somebody that, that when you're doing this, you're becoming different. That God is at work on you as you're building the bridge. You become a bridge builder because you're beginning to think in a different direction. Rather than drawing people towards you, you're moving towards them. It's what it takes to have healthy relationships. You need to learn to be outward and not just wait on the right conditions or to be a scorekeeper. That's, that's what most of us are a lot of times. That's our natural inclination is to keep score. But the golden rule says, take the initiative. Be a build, bridge builder. Move outwardly. Move towards the other person. Don't wait for them or the conditions to be just right or even carry a hidden agenda that I'm only doing this so that you will reciprocate. You see, the golden rule is about practicing unconditional love, that, that you're, you're moving in a direction in order to become something, and that is a bridge builder. Back to the story of the graduate student and, and the Navajo nation. At the end of this internship, after this graduate student had made all this effort, he began to realize that relationships had been built and a bridge had been built. And as he was leaving, the, the matriarch of, of this, this one little extended family where he was, where he was studying, took his face in her hands, and she said in English, I will miss you because I love who I am when I'm with you. Now that's a bridge builder. That's somebody who, who now recognizes that the effort to get into her moment has made him something better, something different. He wasn't looking for the reciprocation. He was just simply going in an outward direction and letting the results be to God. Even the results, and especially the results, in him and within him. It, it's... It's evident in this golden rule that God 
is at work in you as you practice it. And so often we're thinking, well, Tim, you know, uh, I, I try that, but I'm always the initiator. I'm always the one who is reaching out. I'm always the one who's checking on somebody else. I'm always the one who's doing the inviting. And where's the reciprocation? Well, that's, that's, that's a different form of the golden rule, and it's a lesser form. It's a conditional form. Confucius has a, a, a form of the golden rule. Don't do to others what you wouldn't want them to do to you. You see how different that is? It's like, th- that doesn't build a bridge. It, it actually just sort of only recognizes the gap. It's not to practice something that makes you different or makes you capable of connecting or more capable of connecting with less of an agenda, with, less condi- with fewer conditions. It actually just simply respects the gap. But the golden rule says, build something. No matter what, whether there's reciprocation or not. Give the gift without thinking. You, know, you can't give a gift and keep score at the same time. Not genuinely. When you genuinely want to give something to somebody in order just to simply give it to them, you cannot keep score. A gift is just simply, it's just there's no strings, right? And to learn to become a gift giver is to become a bridge builder. You know, it, maybe you continue to battle with this, as I do. And it's like, I don't want to be taken advantage of, right? I don't want to always be the one who's reaching out. I don't want to always be the one who's taking the initiative. I don't want to always be the one who's having to, to do the inviting. I mean, I need to be invited places too. Well, that's not your business. It's not. You, you've got enough to say grace over just, just becoming... An inviter, a bridge builder yourself, and so do I. I can't be in charge of your inviting. I can't be in charge of your reciprocation. <laughs> I mean, I could spend, I could tear this page out of this Bible with the golden rule and just work on this for the rest of my life and not be done. Could you? For the rest of my life, I could just work on that one little thing. And so often, where's my energy go? It goes to, oh, poor me. Nobody's calling. Nobody's invited me to lunch, right? I've got one open, uh, uh, open slot on Tuesday, by the way. But, <laughs> but I'm always, you know, and you're always thinking, I'm the only one who does this. Everybody thinks that. Everybody thinks that. And so if your energy is always going that direction, how much energy are you putting into becoming what God is wanting to build in you. He's wanting to build in you this capacity to connect. Jesus understood that there was a judgment call to make. I mean, we don't want to be enablers, right? There's still a judgment call to make. We we don't want to just give and give and give in such a way that enables other people's bad behavior. I mean, sometimes Jesus turned the other cheek and sometimes he turned over tables, right? So sometimes it's tables and sometimes it's cheeks. And you guys have to recognize that there's a judgment call to make. But by and large, our energy is not going into becoming golden rule followers, bridge builders, inviters. We're so often experts in other people's lacking or other people's sin. We're so often keeping score rather than building the bridge 
Finally, this. The golden rule helps us build a bridge because it gives us a role. It gives us a servant leader role. It gives us a next step. It gives us something specific that we can do. And it's so simple in understanding it, but it's so difficult in practice to be the one who takes the first step even when you don't see the other person stepping onto the bridge. To be the first one onto the bridge. That's your first step. Get onto that bridge. Take the step. Don't wait for the other person. Take the step. Uh, you know, I, I, we know how difficult this is. I, I was thinking this week of a funny sort of uh, image of how difficult it is to be the one who, who kind of thinks uh, of themselves as the servant leader or the one who goes first, right? And I was thinking of like a seventh grade party, right? Remember, like, some of y'all don't have to remember back very far to seventh grade party. Some of y'all have to remember a long way back. I won't say any names, but I'm looking at you. <laughs> seventh grade party, remember that? I mean, I made like a beeline for the French onion dip because I just, you know, I mean, you walk in and, and everybody is self-conscious, right? And I, it's like, is my shirt tucked in right? I remember that was the big thing, is my shirt tucked in right, right? And like, I'm looking around, and I remember the, I remember the time when I realized Everybody else is worried about their shirt being tucked in right, too. And, and it kind of gave me a role. I thought, well, I, I don't have to worry about my shirt being... So actually, for a little while, I had sort of an attitude. So I would, I would come, and I would just uh, untuck just one part of my shirt just the way you're not supposed to. And it was just sort of an attitude thing. i just walk into the party with my, my shirt tail hanging down, just one of them, right? And so people would say, hey, your shirt tail is, you know, oh, oh, thanks a lot. That's great. And I'd tuck it in as if, but that's the same thing. See, I don't want to be the person who's worried about it. I want, I want people to recognize that I'm not worried about it, right? Right? Sure. I'm just as worried as everybody else. And so around the French onion dip, then, now we have uh, something else that we can do besides worried about whether our shirt tail is tucked in. We can worry about how somebody else is doing. How are they doing? That's a totally different. That's like Copernican revolution, right? Right? It's like complete paradigm shift. It's a total different way of looking at that whole scene. What's your role? To feel okay? To be noticed? To be checked in with? No, you're the checker inner. You're the one who's, who has the ability to see how somebody else is doing, to engage to ask questions, to draw them out. And, and, and all the while, again, God is building in you a capacity to connect, right? He's, he's, he's making you a giver. He's making you a there-you-are person. I love this. Uh, I, I may have mentioned this a time or two, but uh, I, I just I, I love this image of someone who, the contrast between somebody who walks in the room and they say, here I am, Right? And somebody who walks in the room and says, there you are. Don't you love to be around those kind of people? There you are kind of people. I know so many of them in this church. They're just, they're there you are kind of people. How did they get that way? Well, what I'm saying is they, they turned over a new leaf. At, at some point, they began to practice some of this. And God brought the growth 
God worked on them as they took these little steps. I'm going to leave you with this just little image that uh, is so profound and so meaningful. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's an image of how we, as broken people, when we're weak, yet he is strong. That, that you don't have to wait. It's an image of how you don't have to wait to get a certain level of confidence. You don't have to wait to get a certain level of competence to become a there-you-are kind of person, to practice this, the golden rule. And, and it's an image of heaven and hell, two paintings side by side, two banquet tables, identical pictures, right? And in the image of hell, there's, there's a banquet table with a beautiful spread, all this like a renaissance spread of food and drink. And people have splints on their arms and they can't, they can't get the food to their mouths, they can't. They just they can't bend at their elbows. They're broken people. They're hurt people. They, can't, they cannot seem to nourish themselves, right? That's a picture of hell. They're struggling to feed themselves. And in the picture of heaven, it's the same spread, the same banquet table, identical, and, and even the splints are still on their arms. But in this picture, they're feeding each other across the table. Every, if you're in some kind of leadership position, every leader leads with a limp. Did you know that? Every leader leads with a limp. Every one of us has a limp. And don't wait to be fully healed. You and I are called as we go to demonstrate the mission that God has called us to. Not get up to a certain status or certain level, a certain ability. Because just as Chesterton said, it's hard, right? The way is narrow. The way is wide that, that's so easy that, that we fall into, right? The routines that we fall into. Oh, I'm always the one, right? The way that we all think is the wide way. You say, well, Tim, this is really difficult. To be the one who's taking that initiative, that's really difficult. Well, welcome to trusting Jesus. Welcome to taking the next step. Because as Chesterton said, Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Pick one person. One person in your life. And take a step. Let's pray. Holy God, how we thank you that you've made your way, the way, so evident and so clear. God, would you give us the courage and strength? Not just the insight, but the courage and the strength to take the next step. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.